said, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, we've already had church, but not all's got it. There's some that uh, some that didn't react, which that's all right. The seed has been planted, and and God is going to finish the work here this evening. And uh, I uh, I am indebted to God, indebted to His church. Um, just am. All right. I'm not going to cry tonight, but I am going to preach. If you have your Bibles, just please stand with me and open to the book of Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Then we're going to go to Luke 9 and 62. Is there anybody in here that just absolutely regrets that they ever come to God? Is there anybody in here that just flat out regrets that you left the world? Is anybody here, if you do, don't answer. Is anybody here miss those nights of hangovers and wondering where you're going to wake up? Does anybody miss that? Does anybody here miss the brokenness and the, the loneliness and the, the, the pain and the rejection. Does anybody miss that? Then you better stay where you're at. Because there is nothing else in the world like the church. Nothing. You cannot find rest anywhere outside of Jesus Christ. I don't care who hurts you in the church or whatever happens to you in the church. There is a church within a church. And there is nothing like the true apostolic church of Jesus Christ. That's the best place where you could be. That's, there's no other place. So if you miss all those things, you can go back to those things, but... I'm flat. I'm here to tell you, you will not find rest anywhere else. That's it. Philippians 3, that was a commercial break. That was just a preview of things to come. Philippians 3, 12 and 14. Not as though I had already attained, neither were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended, of Jesus Christ. Sounds like a riddle, doesn't it? <laughs> kind of hard to understand a little bit. Brethren, I count not myself to, ap- ap- ha- to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, he does this. This is one thing that Paul said, I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before He said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus or Christ Jesus. Luke 9, 62. And it says, And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, 
is fit for the kingdom of God. I want to preach to you just for a little bit on this thought. It's time to go forward. It's time to go forward. Not tomorrow, not Wednesday night, not next Sunday night or the week after that or wait till the next Cisco revival or it's time to move forward right now. Right now. Just like the Bible says, today's the day of salvation. God is telling His church tonight that we cannot go back, but forward. You may be seated. Hallelujah. How many of you going to preach with me tonight? Now, I know you're probably all worn out. Now, I'll tell you what happened to me yesterday. Brother Fox laughed about it, and oh, Anthony laughed about it, but I took a drama me because I didn't want to get sick on a ride, and I didn't know it was like taking a horse tranquilizer. And I was walking around, getting on rides and slobbering around. I had no idea where I was. I was seeing witches and goblins, and I thought I was really seeing that. And I was tired, and I, and I got up this morning, I feel like, and I felt like a zombie. But tonight, I'll tell you what, I feel like I can run through that wall... I'm off the drugs, if you will, and I'm straight right now in my mind. So I'm going to preach to you, and I want you to preach with me. There ain't nobody on Dramamine, is there? All right. And as the church, I guess we can all agree that we have a fixed goal in mind, one goal, and it is heaven. We're all wanting to see the streets of gold. Correct me if I'm wrong. Anyone in this building who has served God for any length of time understands that this is easy to talk about, but in reality, it's not always easy to have that vision, one mind and one accord, because we have an adversary. He is constantly trying to trip us up. He is constantly trying to detour us from the truth. He is trying to constantly destroy the very image of God, and that is the church. You can look at the empty seats around you and figure that really easy. That this is kind of a hard thing to do if you're not living for God hard. But it's an easy thing to do if you're living for God with all your heart. It's easy. He has made it his life's ambition, talking about the devil. He's, he's made it his life ambition to steal souls away from God. And because, and because we were born into this sinful, rebellious nature, he knows what makes us tick. He has seen us react to situations. And he knows just what to do to make us fail along the way. That is why that it is so important for the church to collectively and individually to have our goal in the forefront of our minds and in the spirit. There needs to be tonight a tenacity about us to refuse to be detoured, to refuse to walk any other direction, to refuse to walk back or stand still, but to make up our minds that we're going to go forward regardless the cost. We're not there yet, but we know as long as we keep moving forward and that we're heading in the right direction, 
regardless what happens around us. If we keep moving forward, we know we're doing the right thing. Regardless if the world falls down around us. I'm going to keep moving. We've got to keep making forward progress. Because if we're not moving forward, then there's evil either a standstill or a moving in the wrong direction. I don't want to be standing in the same place. Because you know that anything that stands in one place for a long period of time, it becomes stagnant. It becomes no value or unfit for spiritual use. We never want to become stagnant. We want to live our life according to God. And the only way that we're going to make it is if we kept, keep pressing forward. Going backwards is not an option either. I'm so sick and tired of looking around us and seeing people that they gain so much truth and, and, and they get so much light and, and God moves in their life and all of a sudden they think that they have freedom, freedom to do this and they don't have to do and put this on or take this off or do this. They've got freedom in the Holy Ghost all of a sudden and all of a sudden they, they start moving backwards. Hey, I don't want to go that word. Backwards. I need to go forward if I'm ever going to make it. Let me, this is a good time for me to tell you this. You can, can't ever be too holy. You can never be too separate from the world. You're either with the world, you either look like the world, you either talk like the world, or you're in the church. I don't want to be going back. I've come too far to tell you. My grandpa prayed too hard for me to go back and start trading in on my holiness. child of God should never consider that going back into what God brought them out of is a viable alternative. Our past must stay in the past. When I was, uh, what was yesterday should never dictate what, what my tomorrow's going to be like. I said my yesteryears should not determine what today or tomorrow's going to look like. I'm going to be more spiritual tomorrow than I was yesterday. I'm going to be stronger in the Holy Ghost tomorrow than I was today. I refuse to stay back. Do you know why people throw away holiness, especially ministry? They're only interested in cash and numbers. They want to build a church. And they believe in their mind that if you let down on some standards and you let down on holiness issues, that there's going to be more to walk in the door for them to share for Christ. Let me tell you something. In this last day, there is still going to be a pure apostolic church that's not going to go backwards. I refuse to go back to what I used to be. If it's under the blood, you better leave it alone. 
Digging up only creates a stink that God doesn't want you to have to deal with. The best thing that we can do with our past is what the apostle said. Forgetting those things which are behind and move forward to the prize. I'm getting ready to shout. I'm I'm getting ready to get so stinking excited, I can't hardly stand it. The word forgetting is only used in the Word of God one time. No joke. Forgetting is only used one time. I want you to answer this. What does forgetting mean? It means to completely erase it from your mind. Nope. I knew she would say that. Because I, when I was doing this, I was studying this, I, 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 something brought me back to that word forgetting. I knew what it meant. I thought I knew what it meant. I heard it a thousand times. I've heard Dad and Grandpa and pastors preach it. Forgetting. Erase it from your mind. But that's not what it means. Oh, my goodness. In the Strong's Concordance, it means neglecting, no longer caring for, given over to oblivion or uncared for. Forgetting does not mean to erase it out of your mind. Forgetting simply means to don't give any care to it. Listen, when you neglect something, you don't feed it. You don't pamper it. You don't dwell on it. You don't prune it. You don't take care of it. You forget it. I'm not going to feed it. That's why we don't want to erase it out of our minds. We want it there for a testimony. Do you know what the best thing, what Carmen say? We used it all in the preaching and we act like we're smart. You know what Carmen said in his message? The best thing that, the, that uh, when the devil reminds us of our future or our past, what do we do? Again, he was wrong. The best thing that we can do is when the devil reminds us of our past, we need to shake his hand and say thank you. I want to let you know I'm thanking you because you just reminded where Jesus brought me from. That's where I was. This is where I'm at. I used to be a dopehead, but now I'm a Sunday school teacher. I used to be a drug addict, but now I am washed in the blood of the Lamb. For too long, we tried to erase it out of our minds. But God said, I don't want you to erase it. I don't want you to forget it. I don't want you to feed it. We've spent our energy. We've spent our energy trying to erase it. Oh. We've spent 
time and time again coming to an altar and going, God, please let me forget about yesterday. And God's got His arms wrapped around us. And He's saying, I don't want you to forget like you think, but you've been feeding it. You've been taking care of it. And because you've been reminding everybody else about what you've been, that means you've been caring for it. And that means you've been feeding it. But if you would walk up and say, Look, I used to be this, but now I'm bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't have to dwell there. That was a stepping stone. That was my testimony. Because the Bible says that we're not just overcomers by the blood of the Lamb, but by the Word of my testimony. Don't you get it, folks? Your past is your ticket way to a testimony. Hallelujah. 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 Understand that the sins of our past don't always look like failures. Sometimes they look like success. Too often when we speak of sin, our minds immediately go to the things that are easily labeled too. You listen to me. We can identify with drug abuse and homosexuality and lesbianism and child abuse, moral failures. Those kind of things are easily to identify with. We can overlook the vague and discreet sins that are hiding behind the cloak of success. And Paul told the Philippian church of how great a success he could be, he could be considered. And in Philippians 3, 4 through 7, he says, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, which is in the law blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ, to a lot, to many people... Paul was considered to be a perfect example of what follower of God should be. But Paul, he knew that what he did in the flesh was nothing more than a reason for pride and arrogance in his spirit. He was a great success at being a Pharisee. Yet Paul goes on to say that nothing he has ever done in his past is worth counting. He said, I count it all dung that I may win Christ. It doesn't matter. And it will matter not how much you have failed God or how much success you've had in your life. That all the reality is, the only thing that will ever matter is if you ever win over Jesus. He counted it dung. Everything. You hear me. He was saying even the good things. Everything that I've done is poo-poo. Same thing as dung, if you, for those of you. 
everything. Just as there's people that's hung up on their past in the negative way. There's a lot still with, with that mentality. Yeah, but I taught so many Bible studies. And they think they've arrived. What about tomorrow? Paul said, everything that I've ever done is done. The only thing that matters if I, is if I win Christ in the end. The only thing that really matters in the end is if I can say I've endured till the end. So the past should stay in the past. When you examine Paul's writings, it's interesting to note that Paul talks about his past successes, but somehow refuses to bring up his past failures. You listen to me. It's no secret how full of contempt Paul's past was everyone knew that this man was responsible for the imprisonment and the murder of the Christian movement yet notice in the scripture that Paul refuses to bring it up and even talk about it there are some theologians that believe these memories were his thorn in the flesh and I, I don't somehow believe that nor, nor do I believe that Paul was simply too ashamed to talk about his past but I believe that Paul simply refused to look back at things that condemned him and through it he mastered the ability to forget and instead he reached out toward the future and toward the deeper knowledge of Jesus Christ you know why? because Paul Paul's mindset was to move forward. There's a difference between saying, Paul saying, hey, I was the chiefest of all sinners, and saying, hey, you remember when I named the sin? Too many people brag about what they used to be. We've all done it. Especially you guys. Oh man, I knocked his teeth out. But now I'm washed. Remember I used to. We've all done it. Maybe not you. I can't see you knocking some... Well, maybe. In Aristotle's writings, Agathon makes a statement, this only is denied to God, the, the power to undo the past. I'm not a great proponent of Aristotle's statement because I know that God can, he can do anything that he would choose to do. However, God himself has set the world in life in forward motion and he chooses not to go backward either. I think it'd be a good time for me to say, if God refuses to go back and dig up someone's past, why in the world would you want to feed yours? If Jesus Christ shed the blood from Calvary's hill in order to cover up your past, why in the world are you trying to remove the blood from those sins and bring them back? Because once the blood is applied to your past, you don't have no business touching and remove, trying to remove the blood of Jesus. That's His property. That's His power. Why is that guy preaching so crazy? Right, I'm just so stinking excited. 
Some of you folks that haven't, haven't moved for a, a month of Sundays, you've been holding on to that. And you've been trying to remove something that was paid in full a long time ago. You're going to spend too much time trying to dig up your past that you're going to get caught up in your past. And that's where you're going to live. And you're never going to go forward. But God is telling you tonight through me to tell you to get back. Get back. kills me. It just hit me. It dawned on me. Do you know what it does to him to do all what he did? To take the time and the pain and to shed his blood on your past. And when you go back and you start digging it up, he says, did I do that in vain for you? Why are you trying to undo something Jesus' name. I rebuke bitterness right now in the name of Jesus. I rebuke the pain that you have been living in. I rebuke the past that has held you back and the failures that have held you back and has kept you for so long. Come on, church, I need you to pray with me for a minute. I need you to pray with me for a minute. Hallelujah. God just brought something to my mind and my heart. I'm going to speak it. I'm going to speak this right now. He brought me to that place the day that the disciple's father died. This is for somebody right now in particular. The disciple come to Jesus. And he said, my father died. He died i got to go bury him. And Jesus said, No, you're not going. He said, Let the dead bury the dead. Why in the world would a kind master forbid somebody to go bury his father? Sounds kind of insensitive, doesn't it? Do you know what I believe that Jesus Christ was telling him? There has never been and there will never be any reason to leave the presence of Jesus. 
And what he was saying, the situation in your life has died and it's not going to do you any good to go because the situation in your life is dead. And if you leave my presence, you may never come back. Don't leave the presence of Jesus to go try to dig up something that you cannot do anything about. All right. Going forward. Gospel writer Luke recorded Jesus' words in 9 and 62. And all man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. It's impossible to plow a straight line when you're constantly looking over your shoulder. It's hard to teach home Bible studies. When you're constantly looking over your shoulders and the devil keeps whispering in your ear and saying, you remember what you just did? You remember what you thought? You remember what you did back in 1985? You remember? It's kind of hard to sing with an anointing when you're constantly looking back and you're trying to plow. And it's impossible to do anything. Anything at all for the kingdom of God when you constantly dwell on your past because... uh, be it failure or success, it, it doesn't matter. Jesus said a man that looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. That word fit means well placed. He's not well placed in the kingdom. In other words, uh, in, in other words, he's not ready for the next level of the kingdom of service. He's not ready. To move forward. Because it's kind of hard to move forward when you're trying to plow. And you're constantly looking back. That's what happened to Lot's wife. She had, she had her salvation in front of her. And she was, look, she was going forward. And her husband and her family was going forward. But somehow she had to look back. Historians believe, I forget how many days or journey it was back to where she came from. But I don't think it was just something that she, she just looked back. I think she was on her, way, on her way back. And she had hours and days to think about it. That's what I believe. It's one thing just to kind of glance back. But it's another way. It's another reason, a whole different ball game when you turn around and make that long journey back. You remember that, young people. There's never a reason to turn back and start walking back towards the world because once you do, you're going to find it hard. Man, I feel like I'm ministering the Holy Ghost. You're going to find it really hard to make your way back to the kingdom of God and to the church because a lot of times it's our pride that gets in the way. It's not the devils in hell. It's not the church that gives you the issue. It's your own pride. So beware. When you're plowing and you start looking back and you walk towards the world, there is nothing worth going back. You've got to let it go. You 
You cannot grab a hold of the kingdom of God in one hand while you're holding with the other hand onto the past. It will pull you apart. You will die of a heart attack or a stroke. It will pull you in so many directions. You just need to let go of yesterday and keep moving forward. I know I've said that in the past, just a hundred times, but I'm telling you, it's time to move forward. It's time. It's time. It's time. Jeremiah 29 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. I, uh, to, to give you an expected end. God has an expected end for your life. It's not dying while on a drunken stupor or a drug addiction high. That's not God's plan for you. God's expected end doesn't include STDs or needle tracks up and down your arms. God's uh, expected end for your life isn't about regrets and heartaches. God's expected end is filled with peace and joy from a life filled with love from Him. There is nothing, nothing in this world to go back to. We've got to move forward. Paul said in Romans 8, 35 and 39, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for a slaughter. Nay, I, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ our Lord Jesus. But notice what he says, for he didn't say. Notice that in all of this, Paul makes mention of the things present, the present things and the future things. But he never once ever brought up the past. You read it. Never mentioned it. Reason is simply, I believe, is this. Your past is the only thing that can or will ever separate you from His love. Now listen to me. It will not separate you from Christ loving you. Because your past is washed in His blood and He has forgotten it. He, he neglects it. But when you and I refuse to forget, or we refuse to neglect it, it draws us away from Him. And that's why God wants us to learn to forget like He does. There is a necessity of the forgetness, forgetfulness in our walk with God. Because it's not until we forget our past that we can willfully reach forth unto those things which are before. There may be some here tonight that are struggling with issues from your past or having a hard time keeping things buried. And I come to tell you this evening that it's time to put your past behind you and to move forward. Say move forward. 
move forward. What's behind us, it's not important. Nothing can be done about what's already taken place in your life. But with our choices we ought to make tonight, we can change now. We can change our future. If we forget our past, that's the only way to change a future. Many of us can't forget about our past because we've taken the time to fall. Uh, we have not taken time to fall in love with our future. That's why we spend people spend so much time holding on to things because they don't spend enough time falling in love with what God is going to do in their life. They don't anticipate anything. And when there's no anticipation, there's no faith. And so, so therefore, they can't move forward because without faith, you can't please God. And when you can't please God, you can't go forward. So there's nothing else to do but stand still or go back. I don't know about you, McCormick's Creek. I got a feeling I do know. I believe that we're in a church that's looking forward to having the greatest apostolic church that we've ever seen. I'm not going to hold on to yesterday. I'm not going to worry about those empty pews. I pray in the name of Jesus that Jesus fills them, every single one of them, and we blow the doors off this place. But I refuse to let yesterday's failures dictate my future. I fall in love with my future. I said I'm going to fall in love. Somebody needs to stand up to their feet and receive this in the name of Jesus. Somebody needs to look up to heaven and say I'm excited about my future. Because when you're excited about your future, you don't look back. What about yesterday? Oh, you don't understand, devil. I know where God brought me from, but I'm excited about tomorrow. I don't have time to go back. I don't have time. Come on, music. I'm not done, but I'm done. I'm so, I'm so wound up right now. Someone's going to have to put me in a straitjacket. I don't know that some of y'all believe what I'm saying. This church was, I'm not talking about McCormick's. We need to quit being single-minded. I'm, not, I'm talking about the apostolic church a lot bigger than this place. But this church was full of life years ago. I mean, they were having apostolic revival. And they, you, they were seeing uh, their feet, feet grow out and, and legs grow out and arms grow out and people getting healed with cancer. People getting out of caskets at, an, at, at the church services because uh, they was having such great revival services. And I, 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 that's all fine and dandy. But do you think, do you think that God is going to let His church get weaker and more fragile in the end? I don't think so. This is like a snowball and it's rolling down a hill and it's getting bigger. It's getting bigger. We're going to see greater things. Shall ye do greater? This is going to be the greatest church that we've ever seen in the future. (laughs) 
And God has brought me here tonight to tell you this. Get out of yesterday. And the reason that you're feeling the way you feel, lethargic, and you don't have any energy, and you don't feel like getting up and worshiping because you don't have any confidence in your future. So therefore, you're not going to have a future. But if you could only get a grasp of where God wants to take you, If you could only start believing in yourself and in believing in the call that God has handed to you, you've got more power, Brother Gillespie, in your finger than all of hell. Why? Because when He breathed on you and you received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you have authority and power over sicknesses and over devils. I'm telling the truth. Ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost. They don't believe it. Oh, I figured you'd all be shouting by now, but that's okay. I want you to soak it in. I want you to turn to somebody right now. I want you to turn to somebody. And I want you to look them right in the eye and say, Your tomorrow is going to be greater than yesterday. I want you to tell them that next Sunday night is going to be a better message than Brother Hill preached tonight. I don't care who preaches. I I want them to do better. I want more people to get the Holy Ghost in 2012 than they did in 2011. I want more healings. I want to see the dead raised. Somebody needs to get happy. Somebody needs to get the power of expectation in this place. Come on. Come on. I want everybody to stand with me. If you can stand. And I want you to begin to worship God for your tomorrows. Listen to me. Maybe I'm not done. Hold on. Noah, he could have quit because being, uh, he was being made fun of and mocked. But because he pressed forward into his goal, his family found salvation in an ark. Abraham could have gone home, but he refused, and he refused to go home. And he marched up to an altar with his son, and he pressed on, and he saw the salvation of the Lord. Come out of a bush. The Bible's filled. Oh, it's filled with men and women who press forward until they seen the salvation of the Lord. Men and women like Elisha and Elijah and David and Daniel, Nehemiah and Job and Ezekiel and the Hebrew boys, uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. What about the heroes, uh, the faith of the... Uh, in Hebrews 11, how Ruth and Naomi and uh, Esther and Mary... After hearing the criticism from the Lord, the woman whose daughter was grievously vexed with the devil, she had a determination that her devil was bound and possessed with demons, but she pressed on. Bartimaeus would have died a blind man, but somehow he found the strength to press on. What about the woman at the well who still went there in spite of her shame? 
See, that's our problem. We're too full of shame that we don't think that we can press on. But one day she found living water for her soul. What am I saying? Your past does not have any bearing on your future. When you come to the Lord, you leave everything behind. It doesn't matter what you've done. Oh my, I could go on. I'm not, I'm done. But tonight, I refuse to stay back. Somebody needs to run to this altar. I'm going to open this altar. Somebody needs to run to this altar and get down on their knees and make a covenant with God and make a commitment with God. I refuse to go back. I'm going forward. Forward. You can sing a fast song. We don't have to bring it down. We're going to sing it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The devil.